You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphian Video for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. In this episode, we consider the parable of the Good Samaritan. Jesus learned and memorised the scriptures much like we are expected to do so. The story of the Good Samaritan examines how Jesus was taught, excuse me, was examining how Jesus was taking a story of old that the Jews of his days would have known and recognised. The lesson demonstrates the need to study and be familiar with the Old Testament. Hope you enjoy this episode. God bless. Um, but we want to go back um, in um, history for uh, for, a, for a little while, um, just to consider the backgrounds that um, would have informed um, the parable of the um, Good Samaritan. Jesus would have been well aware of these events. Um, as he um, uttered the um, parable um, to the um, people um, of his day. But we go back to the reign of um, Ahaz, who was a king of Judah. Um, He was sadly an evil king. He didn't do that which was right in the sight of the Lord, like his father did, as you can see on the screen with uh, 2 Chronicles 28. In fact, he walked in the ways of the kings of um, Israel and made molten images for Balaam. Um, He, remember, this is the king of Judah we're talking about here. He copied the ways of the kings of Israel. Moreover, he burnt incense in the valley um, uh, of the son of Hinnon, and um, he committed that dreadful act, unimaginable, really, of burning his children in the fire, uh, copying the abominations of the heathen nations that were around them. And uh, he sacrificed and burnt uh, incense in high places and on the hills and under every green tree. Such was um, the uh, reign of um, King um, Ahaz. But We move on in the Chronicles record and we see there is a consequence for for his actions. We read that the Lord, his God, delivered him into the hand of the king of Syria and they smote him and carried away a great multitude of them captives and brought them to Damascus. And he was also delivered into the hand of the king of Israel. So this is, remember, Ahaz, um, the king of Judah, was delivered into the hands of the Syrians and into the hands of the northern kingdom, the kingdom of Israel. And we read there of the um, slaughter which um, took place. Um, Pekah, the son of Remaliah, slew in Judah 120,000 in one day, which were their valiant men, their fighting men. And the reason, because they had forsaken the Lord God of their fathers. We also read of 
Zikri, a mighty man in Ephraim, now that's in the northern kingdom, who was involved with the Syrians in this um, uh, defeat of uh, Ahaz, king of Judah. Um, he slew Maaser, the king's son, and that's Ahaz's son, and Akrarim, the governor of the house, and Elkanah that was next to the king. And so the result was that the children of Israel carried away captive of their brethren 200,000. That's um, women, sons and daughters, as we um, read in those um, verses. And <clears throat> they took much spoil with them and they took it all back to Samaria. And just to look at a map, just to perhaps refresh our minds to, as to the relative positions of these countries. We see Judah in the south there with uh, Jerusalem marked on the map and Israel to the north. The, so we have the northern kingdom of Israel centred on Samaria and the um, kingdom of Judah where Ahaz was um, reigning um, centred on Jerusalem. And as we can see, they had um, they they were neighbours. They shared borders. But notice also Damascus up there in the north um, east, um, <clears throat> um, where the Syrians were. So they they were all neighbours, uh, relatively speaking, but quite close together. But the Samaritan kingdom had compassion on their brethren in the, their southern neighbours in um, Judah. And this is part of the background I submit to the parable of the Good Samaritan in the New Testament. So here we have some Samaritans which showed compassion. So let's move on with it. The <clears throat> uh, verse um, nine of that Chronicles record, the prophet of the Lord actually intervened in what was going on the prophet Oded, and he exhorted the Samaritans not to keep their brethren as bondmen and bondwomen, but rather to release them. And these are the relevant verses as we see on the screen. The Lord was, the prophet of the Lord was there. And so we see this intervention by God to tell the Samaritans in the north not to keep their brethren and, and their women focus and um, slaves, but indeed to actually release them. If you look at verse 11 at the bottom of the screen. Hear me, therefore, deliver the captives again, which you have taken captive of your brethren for the fierce um, wrath, um, which we can, uh, of, 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 of the Lord. And so we see that the Samaritan kingdom um, he did the words of the prophet and they released um, their captive brethren with the spoil. But it was into the custody of, the, of some named heads, some notable um, princes or rulers um, in Ephraim, which was um, central to the um, northern kingdom uh, of, uh, of Israel. And so <clears throat> we read in these verses that the um, to, this is still in 2 Chronicles 28. We read those verses 12 and um, uh, thir 13, that 
the um, the certain of the heads of the children, um, and they're named here of Ephraim, Azariah, um, Berechiah, and uh, Meshulimoth, and uh, um, Shalom, and Massa. Uh, they stood up against them that came from the war and said, you shall not bring in captives hither, and speaking of those captive uh, people from Judah, for whereas we've offended the Lord um, already, you, you intend to add more to our sins and our trespasses, because our trespasses are great, and the fierceness of the Lord, his wrath will be um, against us. And so there were those in the Samaritan kingdom with a conscience about the treatment of their brethren in the south. And so the Samaritans were obedient to the word of the Lord, using the spoils which they had taken from Jerusalem and from Judea, which they'd obtained in the conflict. And they clothed their captives who were naked, gave them shoes on their feet and anointed them. And they provided food and drink and set them on the, the set the feeble ones on asses and took them to Jericho. Very much um, echoes and reminders of our introductory reading from Luke from the parable of Jesus. And that verse 15 in 2 Chronicles 28, the men rose up, they took the captives, they uh, with the spoil and all that were naked among them, arrayed them, shod them and gave them to eat and drink and anointed them, carried the feeble on asses and brought them to Jericho, the city of palms, to their brethren. Then they returned to Samaria. So we see the good Samaritans at that time returning the captives to the, um, the, their, their brethren in the south. but they took them to Jericho. Now, we want to look at that in a little bit more detail in a moment or two. But <clears throat> Jesus' parable in the first place was prompted by a lawyer asking a question. Well, who is my neighbor? Jesus um, draws many links for the parable um, that he uttered from the actual events that we were recorded in 2 Chronicles and chapter 28 regarding the kingdoms of Israel and Judah. As we said a moment ago, as we saw from the map, Judah shared a border with their uh, Samaritan brethren in the north. Clearly they were, the, they were their neighbors. The events Jesus draws on from this period of this Chronicles um, record are when Israel was a divided nation, perhaps um, stating the obvious, but the point being, the two kingdoms were ruled by different kings. There was a king in Jerusalem and a king in Samaria. Therefore, the Samaritans at that time were also of the seed of Abraham, and they were not the mixed race they sub subsequently became um, when, uh, when the Northern Kingdom was taken away. But just um, a point or two to uh, keep in the back of our minds about Jericho, where they took them, where they took the Southern Kingdom captives to. Um, 
the man in the parable traveled down the road, we're told, from Jerusalem to Jericho. And all who traveled uh, descending on that path actually had their backs to the light of the of the source, the light of the world, the eminence of uh, the mission of the light that was to be um, displayed with the coming of uh, Jesus to preach the gospel in Jerusalem. And so those who go to Jericho turn their back on the city, Jerusalem, the city of God. And Jericho going down, down and downhill is um, <clears throat> their destination uh, in Jericho was in fact a place of um, death. Uh, as we shall see in Joshua 6 um, verses 25 and 26. Uh, we just draw um, a verse from, from there, from uh, verse 26, um, because this Joshua, you recall, came and rescued um, 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 <clears throat> Rahab and her family um, from the city walls when the Lord destroyed Jericho. But Joshua adjured them at that time, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord that riseth up and buildeth this city, Jericho. He shall lay the foundation thereof in his firstborn, and in his youngest son shall he set up the gates in it. It's very um, uh, unusual, as it were, um, curse to be put upon them. But I do understand there is archaeological evidence, and um, I quote um, Brother Arthur Gibson for, um, for my initial source of this information, that when the gates of of Jericho were excavated, they found human remains under the gateposts uh, uh, on, on either side of the gates. And it would appear that, um, judging by the words of Joshua, that the ruler the, of the city, the one who rebuilt it, actually buried his sons um, under the gates. And so, we come to the other account of um, the Samaritans. We're leaving the Chronicles one behind us now, um, 2 Chronicles um, 28, where they were brethren jointly of the seed of Abraham and the Samaritan kingdom exercised compassion on their brethren. But notice it was only when the Lord intervened with the through the prophet Oded. And so now we come to... 2 Kings chapter 6, Syria at that time was at war with Israel, uh, as, as the verses on the screen um, tell us. And so Israel took counsel with his servants, um, saying, in such a place um, shall my camp be. And so the king of Syria had his strategists, he planned, he took counsel, he planned um, what he was going to do. But when we read verse 9, the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians have come down. And so the Lord um, was aware, and the Lord hears everything we know. But Israel and the kingdom <clears throat> were being informed as to what was going on. 
And so the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God had told him and warned him of and saved himself there. It didn't just happen once. It happened on more than one occasion. And so the Syrians um, were not terribly happy about this as to who the spy was in their camp. And so it was that um, they decided to go and find this man who was telling the um, king um, what um, to do. And it was Elisha. It was a servant of the man of God. And he um, <clears throat> was the one who was um, telling the king um, uh, as to um, what the strategy of the Syrians was. And so there was this order went out, this warrant for the arrest of the servant, the man of God. Um, and the hosts that he sent out to um, capture Elisha will compass the city with horses and chariots. Alas, my master, what shall we do? Said his servant when he saw um, the situation they faced. And Elisha says to him, fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And so we read on in our 2 Kings uh, 6, Elisha prayed and opened the eyes of his servant that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw the mountain was full of horses and chariots and fire round about Elisha. And when they came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord. This is when the um, uh, <clears throat> Syrians wanted to, were going to take him. And he prayed to the Lord to smite them with blindness. And he smote them with blindness. And that actually happened. And so we have a contrast there. The man who was with the um, prophet of God, his servant, Elisha, had his eyes opened. Uh, as to what the Lord's purpose and what the Lord was doing. And there's a lesson for us in that, an exhortation, that we have our eyes opened through the scriptures as to what God's plan and purpose is with the nations. And so, in contrast, the people of the world, sadly, are blind, blind to the will of, and the purpose of God. And so they were smitten with blindness. And Elisha um, said to them, not this way, neither that way to the city, follow me and I'll bring you to the man who you seek. And so it was that Elisha led them to Samaria. And so it came to pass that when they were coming to Samaria, that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes. Behold, they were, they were somehow in Samaria. And the king of Israel said to Elisha, remember, this is the northern kingdom based on Samaria, verse 21. The king of Israel said to Elisha when he saw them, my father, shall we smite them? Shall we smite them? He was quite prepared to strike down these um, Syrians. And he answered, and this is the intervention of God in the affairs of the Samaritans, not through Oded, but through Elisha. Elisha this time, thou shalt not smite them. Thou wouldest smite those who you've taken captive with the sword and the bow. Set bread before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. And so we see the Samaritans were compliant. They were 
obedient. They prepared great provision for them. And when they had eaten and, and drunk, he sent them away and they went to their master. And the result of that, as we, as it tells us in those closing words of those of that verse, that the Syrians didn't come into the land of um, Israel um, any, uh, any anymore. And so, um, brothers and sisters, um, there's lots of exhortation for us in these points as to how we should treat our enemies, that we should, yes, of course, love one another, but we should um, indeed do good to all men as much as the opportunity lies within us to, uh, to, uh, to do it. And so we have a little chart here putting the parable uh, in Luke chapter 10 alongside the two incidents that we've looked at. And the first one, when we consider 2 Chronicles 28, well, the man, as Jesus said, was on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho and the men of Judah and Jerusalem um, taken uh, taken from Jerusalem to Jericho in our um, 2 Chronicles 28 account. But it's worth just stepping um, back a little and just pausing and thinking, considering what that journey really um, entailed. This is the countryside and this is the road you can probably see a path going winding round the mountains round and round and you see in the middle of the picture there on the other side there is a path all the way around and it goes down and down from um, from jerusalem to jericho and that's a journey of about 15 and a half miles uh, jericho's located to the northeast of jerusalem and jerusalem's about 2,500 feet above sea level. And when we compare that with Jericho, that is the lowest city on earth, lying at something in the order of 787 feet below sea level. And so this was a downward climb, this actual journey. And the situation and the road is situated in a valley and when you do reach uh, Jericho at the bottom it's one of the most beautiful and fertile oases in the Middle East. There is that road again there's a chasm in the foot in the foreground of our picture there and as you'll see um, in, a, in, a, uh, in a moment or two we will we'll see people using that road. They didn't have a tarmac road to get from Jerusalem to Jericho. They had to go from something like two and a half thousand feet down to 708, nearly 800 feet below sea level. And so perhaps having with those visuals, those images in mind, we can perhaps appreciate more readily how it is that a man could fall among thieves and be stripped of his... Um, uh, Raymond, wounded and left half dead. Many were killed, others were wounded and taken captive, we read in Chronicles, of the um, defeat of the, uh, north, of the southern kingdom. And so the Samaritan bound up the wounds of the victim in the parable using oil and wine, and we'll come to that in a moment or two, 
And the Samaritan took care of the man in the parable and set him on his own beast and took him to an inn. And as we know from our chronicles, um, um, <clears throat> reading a little earlier on, those verses that the Samaritans clothed them, they fed them, they anointed them, they carried them and took them on their journey. And so we just come um, now to the, um, still with the parable on the left of the screen, Luke um, 10, the man was left half dead, unable to help himself. And we read of the incident with Elisha the prophet leading them. They were struck blind um, and he led them um, <clears throat> uh, to um, Samaria. And the Samaritans, as we know, um, showed compassion and mercy on their neighbours. And they made a great provision for them. Uh, we read in um, 2 Kings um, uh, uh, chapter um, 6, it was a great provision that was made. So they were not um, stinted in their support um, um, and, uh, for those who were their captives. And so we see the um, three kingdoms uh, there before us. And, and it's very clear that there are significant um, similarities between the accounts of Chronicles and Kings with the parable of Jesus. And I would submit that the parable of Jesus is based on those actual incidents which we um, have um, referenced in the um, Old Testament. Significant um, parallels there. Because if the Samaritans in the days of, um, of, of the period of the Kings um, showed um, compassion um, on the on 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 Judah. Um, <clears throat> what were the Samaritan uh, neighbours? What were they doing in the days of the Lord Jesus Christ for their neighbours? The, the Samaritans of old had set the example. The Samaritans of Jesus' day, we should remind ourselves, were not their separated brethren, but rather a mixed race. They were put there by the Assyrians, and you can go back to 2 Kings 17 to look at that if you uh, want to read the detail. Therefore, in giving the parable of the Good Samaritan, Jesus was teaching the Jews that when the opportunity arises, they should do good to all men, whether it be the, their Jewish brethren or whether it be the Syrians, we do, they should do good to all men. The rulers of Israel had corrupted the way of the Lord by the time we reach Matthew um, chapter 23. There were false teachers in the time of Jesus leading the nation astray. And they were typified, I suggest, in the parable by the priest and the, um, and the Levite, which passed by on the other side. And it took Jesus of Nazareth typified by the Samaritan to bring the offer of salvation to the Jews. And so when we um, consider this, um, uh, this, this um, journey, uh, as we've said, um, it was a tortuous journey. 
and it would have taken a lot of effort and uh, uh, <clears throat> and toil in order in order to make the journey in the first place. As that valley goes down and down and down to Jericho, we find that um, monasteries have been built, and this is one in the fourth century, um, on the approaches to Jericho uh, before you reach the plain at the bottom, the place of the palm trees. And that is um, a picture of that uh, that shows a little closer that road um, that goes down to Jericho. And you can probably see there is uh, uh, there are um, goats being uh, led along this path. And with all these twists and turns, it's so easy for someone to be um, jumped upon by surprise. And so the parable was not a theoretical idea um, in the minds of the, of the listeners of the Lord Jesus Christ. They knew what this journey was like. It was not new to them. The kings of Assyria um, had um, changed the population, um, the, the residents of Samaria. And so by the days of the Lord Jesus Christ, as we said a moment ago, they were a mixed race. And 2 Kings 17 bears that out when the king of Assyria brought men from Babylon, uh, Alva, Hamath, Sephaim, and other places, and they put them in Samaria. And so it was the beginning of their dwelling, uh, when, uh, of, uh, the beginning of their dwelling in that place, that they, fear, they didn't fear the Lord. And so the Lord judged them, was sending lions amongst them. Then one of the priests of the, uh, uh, <clears throat> of the uh, Samaritans, um, whom they'd carried away from Samaria, came and dwelt uh, in Bethel and taught them to fear the Lord. But they still made gods to all the gods uh, of the nations round about them. And so we consider now some lessons for us. Well, the parable in the parable, the Samaritan promised the host, when I come again, I will repay thee. Jesus promised that when he said he will go to prepare a place for you, for us, by grace and I will come again, echoes of the parable. And so the parable shows clearly that the Samaritan represents, was represented the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who will repay when he comes again. And so what's the significance particularly of the oil and the wine? Perhaps the obvious point is that they have healing properties, medicinal pop, uh, uh, properties, but I think there's something much more um, profound than the, uh, in it once we look at the significance of oil and wine. And so they were poured into the wounds and the man set the Samaritan, set them on his own beast and brought him to an inn and they took care of him until he comes again. Now, out of the 39 references in scripture that I can find that mention oil and wine in the same verses. There's only um, two verses which speak about what you actually do with the oil and the wine. There, there are three in the New Testament, which we um, uh, <clears throat> uh, which are concerned with the parable, of course. Um, but there is in the Old Testament, 
and there appears to only be two that tell you what to do with it. The remaining number, the 30 plus, are expressions of God's blessing of filling their storehouses and they'll go to a land with oil and milk and honey and so on. There's lots of references like that, but just the two references I suggest are I submit are important for our understanding of the significance of the oil and the wine in the parable. Exodus 29, verse 40 um, to 42. With one lamb, a tenth deal of flour, mingled with a fourth part of a hin um, of beaten oil and a fourth part of a hin of wine for a drink offering. So we know the oil and the wine are used in the drink offering. And the other lamb shalt thou offer uh, at even, and thou shalt do um, the same thing, basically, um, offering this meal offering in the morning and according and a drink offering as well. But have you noticed in those two verses, the other part to it, the other, other element, the oil and the wine are both associated with sacrifice and in preparation of sacrifice with a lamb. And this was to continue as verse, um, these combination of this um, drink offering and uh, meal offering. This shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord, where I will meet with you echoes of the parable when Jesus returns, and to speak to thee there. And so this offering is, uh, of, of oil and wine is associated with a lamb on the, as far as I can find, the two occasions um, that it tells us what, what was done with your oil and the wine. And the other one's in Leviticus 23, a couple of verses there, verse 12 and 13. And ye shall offer that day when you wave the sheaf and he lamb, there it is, without a blemish, the first year for a burnt offering. And what's associated with it? And the meat offering thereof shall be two tenths deals of flour mingled with oil and an offering made by fire to the Lord for a sweet savour. And a drink offering thereof shall be of wine, the fourth um, part of a hymn. And so, again, we see this link between oil and wine and the lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ typified in the law. And so the use of these um, two ingredients to heal the wounds associates us with the Lord Jesus Christ, with the lamb, which was to, uh, to be accompanied by these meat, off, meat flour offering and um, drink offering, which um, together with the lamb constituted the burnt offering. And so Paul exhorts the ecclesia to do good in the sight of all men, doesn't matter whether they're Jew or Gentile, or whether they are um, from uh, Syria or whether they're from Israel, if we cast our minds back to the Old Testament, recompense no man evil for evil, provide things honest in the sight of God, in the sight of all men. And if it be possible, as much lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, don't avenge yourselves, 
but give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. It's the parable and it's the chronicles and the king's record. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. In other words, responsibilities on his head to alter his way of life because of your example. And so don't be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. We remember Jesus at um, Capernaum in um, Luke chapter 4, where he uses the language of the parable of the Good Samaritan. Maritan, when he's reading uh, the scriptures, we know it's, um, I'm sure, from Isaiah 61, and Jesus was reading it in, in, in the synagogue in Capernaum. The Spirit of the Lord's upon me, because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to deliver the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, and you think of the uh, our king's record with Elisha, to set at liberty those that are bruised and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And so we see the parable is coming up in a number of places in scripture. And we think and we remember that Jesus contrasted the actions of the Samaritan with the actions of a priest and a Levite in the parable. Um, and we think of uh, the priest and the Levite who uh, passed by on the other side. But when we think of the parable of the nobleman, that he was one who was to go, he went to a far country and he promised to return and repay, echoes of the parable of the Good Samaritan. And so they were given responsibilities. And so he went into a far country in this parable of Jesus in Luke uh, 19, and to receive the kingdom and to return. And uh, the servants were told to take their responsibilities seriously and to occupy until he comes. But when we make a feast, says Jesus, call the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind, and thou shalt be blessed. We think of the Samaritan accounts in the Old Testament. For they cannot repent, recompense thee, for thou shalt be recompensed, is the blessing, at the time of the resurrection of the just. It's interesting that when, the, when Jesus answered the Jews, um, when they said to him, say not well that thou art a Samaritan, uh, say we not well that you've got a, you're a Samaritan and you have a devil, Jesus answered, I have not a devil, but I honour my father, and ye do dishonest honour me. It's noticed, noticeable there that Jesus made no comment on the accusation that he was a Samaritan, only on the fact, uh, only on the accusation about the devil. And so, um, brethren and sisters, we have been bought with a great price by the good Samaritan, the Lord Jesus Christ. What is our responsibility? To glorify God in our bodies and in our spirit, which are God's. Therefore, the host 
must represent the ecclesia, which has the responsibility for care for all its members. Because in this world, if we continue to, and we were to travel in the direction of, the, um, of Jericho, that is the opening out of that deep valley at the bottom. And there is nowhere to run for refuge if you were attacked, even in this area. And so we see this um, shepherd leading his goats, leading his lambs. Takes us to Jesus, doesn't it? <laughs> As the um, good shepherd, they followed. And that's the practice in the Middle East. And that actually happened when we took this, was happening when we took this picture uh, in Israel recently. And so... On this exposed plain, as you approach Jericho, the place with the palm trees and the springs, there's no refuge, there's nowhere to hide um, from the enemies. And so we take um, to heart this um, point and we should remember that the parable of the um, Good Samaritan, the teaching of it leads us to that conclusion that Jesus is this good Samaritan. He took care of the man and by grace he is taking care of us and watching over us and will um, bless the ecclesia when he returns by grace. And so we each have that responsibility to care for one another. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at bt f at cdvideo.org if you enjoyed the episode then please share it with others until next time may god bless you in your studies and your walk towards god's kingdom amen